0: Radio, and uh, it is uh, February 24th, uh, Tuesday night, February 24th, I understand, happens to be the birthday of George Harrison, which is a pretty big deal, but a much bigger deal is the birthday of Gunnar Simonson's daughter. Um, That's really big time. Gunnar, are you there? Gunnar's our producer up in Portland. And you took, you just been out for for uh, lunch with your daughter, right?
1: Yeah, we went to uh, her favorite, uh, this Japanese market and got some hambao and then went to a really cool coffee shop and we talked about uh, George Harrison, who apparently for most of his life thought his birthday was February 25th and um, <laughs> found out that it was February 24th. I just love that she shares a birthday with, with George Harrison. I share a birthday with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And... Um, no, they <laughs> A little bit different. But uh yeah. you know, my daughter's always Kira's always loved just good music. I knew when I got her when she was like five or six and she really got into Johnny Cash and Bob Marley, I thought, you know what, I think my job is done. <laughs> and then and then John Fisher and then John Fisher with your still life album, then I was really done, you know. Then <laughs> really done. <laughs>
0: Oh gosh, that's great.
1: Well, how old how old is your daughter? Do- is Kira, right? Yeah, she's seventeen, 17. and uh, 17. she's pretty awesome. She, she's got a heart for the world. Yeah. She's been to Rwanda a couple times. She's amazing. Goes downtown yeah, and hangs out with the homeless. She's amazing.
0: Just tell us just a little bit about that. A little bit about her, some of the, her projects, and just her, she's a, she is amazing for somebody her age. I have the heart she has for,
1: yeah, uh, well, for you know, the world. Well, she's 17. And, you know, when she was six years old, she had $30 that someone gave her, you know, for her birthday. And, you know, and they're like, well, what do you want to do with the money? You know, and she's an only child. You know, my, my wife and I weren't weren't uh, expecting to be able to have children. And, and uh, Kira came along and and uh, she had $30 to spend. Well, what do you want to do with it? you want to go to the store and, you know, buy, a, you know, some candy? Or, you know, when I'm six and I had 30 bucks, it was, you know, basketball cards or whatever. And um, she says, no, I, I, I want this this one catalog and non nonprofit, this nonprofit catalog. And you can you can buy chickens and things like that. And it, she's spinning the pages and she goes, no, I want my money to go to these kids that have been rescued out of sex trafficking at six <laughs> Come years old.
0: On. Come and on. we said
1: well, why did you want to do that? And she goes, well, being an only child, these are the brothers and sisters that I don't have and I need to take care of them. And uh, so she, at six years old, she went on to, you know, raising you know, thousands of dollars for, for uh, these, uh, these children that have been rescued out of sex trafficking. It opened my eyes to what was going on with sex trafficking and, and, and the causes there. And there's just always been that threat about her life um, that she's carried and it's, it's um, inspired me and has opened my eyes. And so she's been to Rwanda several times. Um, she comes down every Thursday night and hangs out with our, our homeless friends uh, under the bridge in Portland. And we just love people because people matter. There's no agenda here. It's just uh, that's what it's about. So she's a pretty special young lady, and I'm um, just so grateful. My, my goodness. Yeah. And she likes that? good music, and she loves photography. And so win, win, win. And she's going to love yeah. our and she's going to love our guest today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is going to be fun. This is uh I'm I'm very excited about uh today we have with us from uh Nashville, we have Steve Hindelong. and Steve is a drummer and also lyricist for the group The Choir, which has been around, I understand, for uh at least 30 years, maybe more and uh we're just going to talk a whole lot about music and and the art and uh and and in Christian music and where is there such a thing and where does this all fit together and and how on earth have these guys stuck together for 30 years and uh that's what that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about and uh find out about uh, for our own lives what it means uh for us to, to be Christians in two thousand fifteen. So, Steve, are you there?
2: I'm here, John.
0: Fantastic.
2: Hey Gunner, how are you? Hey, good, how you doing, sir? I'm doing really good, <laughs> yeah. And I gotta correct you right away, I'm not from Nashville. You know, I'm from okay. uh Los Angeles, you know, and I was I was a fan of you, John, in the seventies.
0: <laughs> and uh
2: I don't know if you knew this, because uh, you and I talked like in the mid eighties. We we, we
0: yeah. remember when
2: our paths crossed,
0: man? I do. I definitely. Okay, do Okay,
2: but the, but you. I don't know if I told you then that in the mid seventies, uh, when I first saw you, I was I went to Montebello Baptist Church.
0: You know where Montebello is? I sure do. I, I grew up East, in San Gabriel.
2: Yeah, sort of East LA area. Uh, three you know, towns over. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So um, I went over to
2: you. You were playing at, at a church in Whittier. I don't remember what it was, but um, I'd seen Randy Stonehill there. So I'm talking like mid seventies, I think. Wow. So I'm like 15, I think. Uh, you would know by the song, but I, I, the song that you sang that night called Naftali. Wow. Naftali, you're a set free. Mm-hmm.
0: You give mm-hmm. beautiful
2: words. It struck yep. me because they, even then, at that age, I was starting to think that I was going to be a, a poet guy. You know what I mean? I, 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 I was starting to write songs for the first time, and that message. So what year would that be? I mean, when did you write that song?
0: 75 was when uh, the album came
2: out. Yeah, so I, I know. And I'm, I,
0: right around
2: there. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm right. I'm, a, I'm like 15 years old. And I remember you had a big beard and you like seemed like this real intellectual guy. You know, I was
0: real <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> really impressed. With that.
2: To me, a guy that lo- already, you know, I loved words. You know, I wanted to be a writer. And that verse, you know, Naftali, you give beautiful words. Yep. Really, really struck me, you know, and um, I, I wanted to say that. And, and really that is well- yeah. so
0: great. Yeah,
2: and I've never forgot it. And uh, I don't remember where. Where is that verse found in, in the Bible?
0: Uh, oh Do you even boy. remember?
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Put it on the know,
0: spot. Uh, You know, it's in Genesis. I know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it. But it, it's it's part of the lineage of uh, uh, of uh, Jacob's twelve. You know. The twelve sons. And right. uh okay. and and they go through all the tribes and he, he blesses each one of them. Of course he's now Israel at that point. And um he's blessing each one of them as they come to him and before he dies and passes and uh and that's what he said for Naphtali. Yeah. So I, I think it's somewhere there at the end of the Genesis. But but that's, isn't it interesting uh, how that is great? You
2: know how you offer a song, you know, and you don't know you know, if it's going to gonna land deep in somebody's heart, you know, here I am, like, how many years later? Uh, 75, Uh-oh. is it 30 years later? 40? Wait a minute. How many, how many years later? 40 years later. Yeah. And I'm yeah. talking to you, and that song is still, I can still remember you singing. I remember the whole situation. It, it stuck, you know, like a like a message or a sermon or so many things, just they don't stick like a song can stick with people. Wow! You know, you carried in wow. your heart your entire life, you know, and that's something.
0: Well, Gunner, you know, why don't you just close in prayer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, we used to, you, you made my day. <laughs> yeah, no, we
2: used to sing your song in our in the youth. I was learning to play the guitar.
0: Then, you know, I was mm-hmm. always
2: a drummer, wanted to be a drummer, but I was a drummer, you know. But um, I was learning. Always wanted to learn guitar, just good enough to participate in the songwriter process.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Even even then, you know, and we'd sing that song, Love him in the morning when you see the sun arising Love him in the evening when he took it through the day And in the in-between time we feel the pressure coming Right? Remember that he That's loves right. you and he promises promise to stay, to stay. Yep. Yeah, we learned it and sang it, you know, it was one of my faves So
0: anyway, I, I had to, to tell you that <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That is that is well. Uh, okay, I'll tell you what I first remember about you. All right. Uh, uh, for you, were little the first, guy. This is what I remember. You were the first stand-up drummer I ever saw.
2: Okay. Well, that was 1986. Because I how did that for one year. One year. That's why I know well, it, it. was really stupid. You know how the mid-eighties were so stupid. You know, you, every every gimmick that you could think of.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, well the, the weird thing here's one of the big differences. With I'm speaking as a drummer, and I don't want to be like you know old guys saying back in the day, you know, but you can't help it. Yeah. Every drum set is alike right now. You know, everybody sets up exactly like Ringo did. You know, ah. one snare, one rack tom, one floor tom, one ride, two crashes. Pretty much, it's uniform. Mm-hmm. You look at whoever you watch on the on you know any talk show at night, mm-hmm. the same drum kit which makes it easy at festivals and all that because you just, you get on the next, you know, one drum set. But it used to be in in the 80s, there's no way one drummer could follow another without 10 minutes to change the set. Because, Ah. you know, know, put your hi-hat on the other side or one guy'd have three times toms, one guy'd have, you know, every kind of creative way to set up your kit to make it impossible for the sound crew. But... You know, it was innovative. You know, so we kept trying things. So I, yeah, I remember like that one year, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to, I'm going to trigger this. So I had to play the kick drum, jumping up and down on, on a little <laughs> triggering, a, triggering some sample that never worked. You know, and I'd be half the time I'd show up at the gig, and the, 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 for some reason that thing didn't work, and I'm trying to do the gig with no kick at all. I don't
0: know, stupid <laughs> idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, gig. Well, I, you know, drummer. Drummers are, are just so needy guys, you know. These, why do you play the drums if you're a little kid? You know, is that a sign that you kind of need attention? You know, <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's it, it's a sign, you know. Both of my uh, both of my boys have, have played. Actually, my uh, oldest son has played in a number of bands. He's really pretty good. Um yeah, it, uh-huh. He just, he just does it for fun. He he never did it. In fact, he he was in about three different bands, and as soon as they w- got all excited and got good and started to get people following them and thought they could be stars, and that's when my Christopher had had enough. <laughs> that's when he walked out yeah. because because at that point it wasn't fun anymore, and yeah. so that's all he ever did. And but he was really good. He still is. No. He, he's yeah. He's looking for a. Looking for another dance. He did the, you know, speaking of the different things in the 80s, when did they do the double the double kick thing? And that's, Are they still doing that now? Uh, you know, well, they,
2: not so much. Not so much. Guys figured out, you know, things are <laughs> – drums is setting up and tearing down. Eventually we figured that out. That's what it is. Yeah. You're setting up and you're tearing down, and you're carrying gear up and down stairs, you know. Yeah. And eventually, I, I don't know, it took them – 50 years of rock and roll to figure out, man, we don't have to make it so hard on ourselves, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
2: That's
0: know? That's great.
2: I don't know. The 80s, I think, stuff got really industrial in terms of the hardware. I remember how mm-hmm. heavy stands were, you know? Um, it was just like everything weighed a ton. I was like, oh, the, you know? And then finally, uh, eventually, guys figured out how to make sturdy stands that were light, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway.
0: Well, I'm I i I'm one of those who thought the stand-up drum thing was really cool. I, I, just, I, <laughs> I, entertainment. I thought that was out of sight. I, <laughs> uh, well, got me. Yeah, it
2: was all about entertainment, man, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: So, yeah. And it was a so good I, workout. It was it was a heck of an aerobic workout,
0: jumping up and down. Oh, yeah. And it looked at me like you could really hammer away at him, you know. I mean, probably yeah. even harder sitting down, you know, get to yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah, especially when, and and also being twenty-five, you know, yeah, I could, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Oh
2: boy, I didn't know we were going to talk about
0: drums. I'm not, I'm, I'm
2: not, wasn't emotionally prepared to talk about drums. Mm.
0: Oh, but that's all right. We're going to start somewhere, and that's a great place to start. And and so here we are. You mentioned forty years since you saw me, and thirty maybe uh since you guys were really going. Um is yeah, first it always album, been the choir. Has it always been the choir, Steve? You and the choir? Were there any other startup groups or anything like that for you?
2: Yeah, I mean I I was in several bands. You know, I don't ever since I was like say eleven years old, I don't remember not being in a band. Mm-hmm. Some kind, wow. you know. And, oh, I was a church kid, you know, so I I was always playing, had some group to perform, you know? Um and then in high school, I, my, I was in a band called Touch of Soul in 1976, and mm. uh, I was 16, and I think I was the only guy that wasn't Mexican in the band, you know? And huh. uh, I, remember, I remember we played Reasons by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and uh, Leto Shuffle by Boz Skaggs, and that was one band <laughs> I remember. I think that was the first, I remember it because uh, the first it was the first paying gig, we played at junior high dance, and... Um, I remember them slow dancing to "Color My World" by Chicago, and at the end of the gig, we all got twenty bucks, and I just thought, "Man, I'm professional now." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was yeah, little so, garage band, where the garage was—you know, LA. You know, it is yeah. the garage doors open, and you hope that girls come and watch you and stuff. You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so when did when did uh... The choir come together when and and how did how did that start? Yeah, well,
2: um, a guy named Tim Chandler who ended up playing bass with uh, Daniel Amos was a friend of mine. I went we went, to, went to Azusa Pacific College together, and this is around 1980. He introduced me to Derry. Uh, Derry and him played on. Both of their dads were preachers, and they were in some kind of a music thing together. I
0: don't and
2: um, he introduced us. So it was Derry, me, and Tim, and we started a band. I'm not going to tell you what the name it was because we changed our name like after every gig, you know. (laughs) Uh, Then, so we started rehearsing in 1980, and then Tim, because Derry, Derry Doherty, who's still my partner in music, you know. Yeah. He was Daniel Amos' roadie. No kidding. That was. Right, yeah, and he did, and so that was his connection, so Tim, because of that, uh, when Marty, Daniel Amos' bass player left, Tim was introduced to them, and he got that gig in 1982, which to us was like he'd hit the big time, so long Tim, you know, you're in Daniel Amos, you've hit the big time, you're gone, you know, so we got a bass player named Mike, and we we started this band we called Youth Choir in
1: 1983,
2: Now, we thought Youth Choir was such a cool name because back then you had Sonic Youth and you had English Youth and you had this band called Choir Invisible. And to us, like, it was this cool new wave name, Youth Choir. We didn't realize how stupid it was. Uh, (laughs) Because every
0: church has a youth choir.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know why we thought that was cool. But um, then we got – so we, we called ourselves Youth Choir in 83, uh eighty four we got a guy to play sax with us named Dan Michaels. Still with us, you know. Wow. Uh, we got a record deal on Maranatha at Maranatha Music. It was a label called Broken Records that was out of Maranatha in 1985. Okay. And that was our first record, 1985, uh, Voices in Shadows. And then shortly after that, we got signed to Word Records, and and r guy was like, yeah, hey, you got to change that name. You know, youth choir is no good. And um, and not only that, but one of the reasons was um, they said when people walk into a record store, they start with A, Abba, the B, the Beatles, you know, and then by the time they get to the end of the alphabet, all the <laughs> records are crammed. Nobody, for one thing, nobody makes it that far. And they've done studies, you know, that, that records don't sell that are like X, Y, Z or whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> and we were a Y, you know, says, Look, you guys are all the way, not only, you know, this is not going to be good, this is not mar- good marketing, you know. So they convinced us to change this name to the choir, see, because it would be the C, be earlier in the al- mm-hmm. alphabet, right?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: So, there you go. There you it's go. The business,
0: you know, right away it's the industry, you know.
2: You're in the industry. Well,
0: I thought it was mm-hmm. a good name, though. I thought it was a good name because there's something kind of ethereal about a choir. And and you think of, you think, in a choir, you think of lots of different parts uh, uh, coming together. You think it's something blended. And um, Uh, your your sound always seemed like that to me. It seemed
1: uh, a little bit ethereal,
0: atmospheric, and lots of things blended together. I don't know. I I just thought it was a cool name. I think it worked for one reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, well,
2: after when people get to hear a band, then they forget about the name and they associate the sound with, you know, you you too might not be the, the coolest name ever, but you, now when you think of the, when you hear that name, you think of something, right? Musically, right. you know. And
0: and you you guys, uh, I I think you had a sound. You were one of the first bands I know of, at least within the christian music world that had kind of developed an I- identity as a sound well most other
1: hello i think i lost you <laughs> hey steve not sure what happened there with john oh <laughs> uh, we lost john oh no oh, oh i'd be calling back in there but uh, I thought it was
2: me that was lost.
1: So now you, you've got to take over the interview, Gunner. I'm going to take over. But I got to tell you, you know, I mean, I think I know where we're, we're uh, I mean, what you know, what really was kind of the inspiration you guys had as far as just creating your song? I mean, you, I mean, that sound style, because I think of the choir and I think of what you guys have done over the years and you have that definitive sound. It's very unique. It's uh, it was really better than anything that I was hearing at that time. You know, really, where were you guys, you know, uh, inspirations coming from at that time?
2: Well, um, you know, I got to credit that to Derry, Uh, our guitar player. uh, He just was an avid music listener, always. And, of course, way back then, I'd say his biggest influence was Andy Summers, guitar player for The Police. Yeah. And, um, you know, he found out about, you know, the whole thing of using effects, cool effects on guitars was was new, relatively new then. Uh, And then you had The Edge, you know, from U2 and, Echo yeah. and Bunnyman and you know all oh, those yeah. sounds he was just he was so into those imports and just um always like listen to this new record, listen to this new of course there were cassettes back then, you know,
1: yeah,
2: but um yeah he he got a great he was always and also he was an engineer uh he became he got a little studio and um so he so he was always into the sonics very very much and um influenced me a lot, I was more. You know, I had more influence of folk music and jazz and stuff. I wasn't yeah. that that cool, you know, that much of a listener um, like Derry was. And still to this day, you know, he's kind of been, I'd say, the DJ of my life. Wow! Because I mean, I, <laughs> I love going on tour because I'm like, uh, bring a lot. Of, are you going to bring a lot of music there? Are you going to bring a lot of music? Yeah. You know, to this day, it's not like we don't. Yeah, we'll we'll listen to Satellite Radio and, and go down Memory Lane and listen. 70s and sing yeah. all the songs, you know, for a couple hours. But then it's like, what's new? What's new? What's new? This new band, you know, or well, here I, my son, his son. Is turning my, you know, so it's never
1: with us like it was it was uh,
2: good in a certain era and it's not good. I mean, there's always good stuff going
1: on. Absolutely. And, well, I love uh, what you said there about, you know, him being like this DJ for your life. I mean, I've got a friend like that in Charlotte who, I mean, the guy is like, he knows anything and everything about music he's like oh, i gotta tell you about the latest greatest like heavy metal band from japan you know not like I'm right like, I no idea but it's like we just sit there and it's just like we'll get together and we'll just share new music that we're discovering you know it takes you back you know back to the, the record shop days you know i mean we didn't have a chance to to hear the music you just kind of flip through records and 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 discovered things yeah
2: I think it's really important. I, I tell uh, writers and uh, encourage people to, what I say, medicate your soul, medicate yeah. your creative soul. And that is with our influences and the things we listen to, but the books we read and the conversations we have and the, the places we travel to. You know, the, the things that huh. we expose ourselves to uh, influence our, our art. I mean, yeah. our, our artistry is not so much learned as it is cultivated, mm. I think. And, and um so yeah at first our, our influences are more most new bands young bands i shouldn't say young but just new bands are their influences are more transparent you yeah. totally see who they're into
0: whereas yeah. hopefully
2: as you you get on and also with other with different guys participating in the creative process um you get a blend and you get something that's hopefully unique yeah. and not completely derivative I remember a a turning point for us, I think, uh, we did this album called Chase the Kangaroo. Yeah. And uh, this was 1987. And uh, U2 was so huge then. And everybody, and everybody started to sound like them. All the guitar players did. And even Derry was so into The Edge. And I remember thinking, getting mad at him, thinking, you know, (laughs) it, it sounds too much. like Everything sounds like The Edge, you know. Yeah. And so I decided I'm not going to listen to you two anymore. Like Rattle and Hum came out, and I, I didn't hear that album. I just decided <laughs> I'm, just, I can live, I can create music without ever hearing them at all. And uh, he started out with this song that's the first song on that album. It's called Consider. And he started playing this ding, 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 and then with the delay on the guitar. And I got so mad. I'm thinking, God, he's playing out like the edge. And I, I told him the baseball. I go, whatever, you know, uh, I'm gonna, uh, you know do whatever Adam Clayton would not do. You know? <laughs> and I'm going to do whatever Larry Mullen will not do. So I get on the ride simulator going, bing, pat, bing, pat. You know, I don't get on the hi-hat and go, you know, I do I do the opposite. I do this crazy kick drum pattern. And Tim does this instead of straight eighth notes like, like Adam would do, you know, he, he does this wild. So between the drum beat, the bass guitar and the guitar, you know, it does not sound anything like you two. Yeah. But you know,
1: and that was uh, that was Consider
2: that was a song um, called Consider yeah if you hear it, you'll see what I mean but if you took the guitar here? part wait. are you playing it? yeah wait, there you go <laughs> oh yeah listen to that rock and drum beat
1: there you go there it is There, yeah there it is oh
2: yeah wait till I kick into that beat
1: yeah, yeah. oh yeah okay there you go there you go. I think we got John. John, you back with us? <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know what happened, Dad. I was having a nice conversation. However,
1: <laughs>
0: I was. Yep. I, I, I was. I was talking about the choir sound. I don't. I don't know when I dropped out, but but I was talking about how um, I always thought they were one of the few few bands at that time that that uh, had their own sound. They weren't trying to be like somebody else you know um you remember the charts they used to have you know if you like so and so you'll like the christian the counterparts. yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh i always thought you guys were doing some some really really great original stuff what you oh, think john you know i i i wonder about it now i you know we're going to jump we're going to jump really you know fast here through 30 years uh because oh, how can we begin to capture the changes that have happened, not only in, 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 in the Christian market and Christian music, but in music in general, the way people hear music, they buy music. Nobody do need record companies anymore. You, you, can, you, know, you can do it. You can market yourself through the Internet, all these different ways of doing things. And then to watch that Christian music, Oh, say around ten, fifteen years ago, maybe or more took this great t- turn towards worship music because as 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 what you know as what we started back in the seventies with Jesus music, and then you guys perfected into the eighties um, you know it finally made its way into the church, and once it got into the church then then it turned into worship because that's what people wanted to do. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to go rock out at concerts necessarily. They wanted to worship, and which is a great thing. But uh, it also became the thing that people wanted to hear on the radio because they would mm-hmm. hear the songs they heard in church, and they know, and they can sing along, and and so it just kind of fed this whole thing. I, you know, I, I begin to think, well, what you know, what happened? Is there any place for the the singer songwriter artist? Who wants to just write about life and humanity and questions and lo- and what it means to grow up and what is faith and what is doubt and you know is there any place for that kind of thing anymore uh, in in the Christian world?
2: Um, I don't know, John. I mean, that's all with the choir. That's all uh, I've ever done.
0: Lyrically. That's who you guys are,
2: yeah. That's who we are. I mean, it's at least for the last 20 years or so. And um, maybe that's why we haven't succeeded. Uh, we never did succeed commercially. The choir didn't. Um, but I've become, over the years, at, at peace, or still trying to, but this kind of my, my message is is when I talk to other people, is that to, uh, it's not how many people hear your song. And not how much money it, it makes, you know, because every individual that you impact with your music is is precious. Everyone is divinely loved. Every individual is important. And sometimes it's more, I think it's more successful to sow deep than it is to sow wide. Like the example I gave you of the Nathlie song, that's what you call sowing deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's so so deep into a person into an in, individual's live stream you know that i, I dropped a feather in the river, you know the river of these people's mm-hmm. live stream and uh that's important and um I couldn't do you know i i had the the publishing deal for ten years, and uh where i you know a lot of guys you're a songwriter john and have you i don't know if you've done a thing where you you have so many uh, songs to turn in every year, a dozen songs to turn in. Uh, you go in these writer rooms and, you, and the publisher comes in and says, okay, we're looking for, you know, vertical praise, 130 beats per minute. And these people are looking for this song and that song. Wow. I would end up sitting there with the writer and the writer would, I, I would realize that they were sad about something and they'd find out they had to put their dog down. And I'd say, well, let's write about old King, you know, let's write a song about the dog or, you know, I always wanted to to write about whatever I felt,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I've I've often said to people, if if you don't cry when you write a song, nobody's going to cry when they hear it. Mm. And so I, that's what I've done with with the band, the choir. I've been the lyricist uh, for the most mm-hmm. part, and it I feel something when when Derry or some of the guys play music. Um, it makes me it, emotional, and I I write mm-hmm. what I feel. And that's why we have so many songs about that are love songs and songs about our kids, because that's what we mm-hmm. care about, you know. Uh, like Gunnar was talking, you know, about his seventeen-year-old daughter, and that's wh- that's where we live. We care about people,
0: mm-hmm.
2: we care about our children, and uh, we 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 care about our romantic relationships. We, we struggle in in our our marriages are not in, are not
0: <laughs> you know
2: not perfect. We have a lot of problems.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We are struggling. We are seeking, you know. And I've tried to be honest and and just write about what I genuinely feel. I I, I gave up on trying to be a theologian a long time ago. You know, somebody wrote in a review one time: Steve Long is a better poet than a theologian. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, thanks, you, good. Know? <laughs> uh, you know,
0: that's fair enough. You know, i I'll
2: I'll take that, uh, you know, because. I think you know artists are, are. We're supposed to make people think, and I don't need to have the answers. I don't need to know. Yeah, um, I always loved that that old Bob Dylan song the Birds did. I was so much older.
0: Uh, what is, yeah. what's, this, what's What's that? How's that go? Uh, I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. Yeah, you know yes.
1: that's how yeah. it is. Well, uh, <laughs> if I just don't. You know, if I could jump in here on that, John. I mean, what you're saying there, Steve. You know, one thing that has always stood out uh, to me, and just how, how I, my dad taught me. He never played an instrument, but he taught me to never let a song pass you by without letting it do to you what it's going to do to you, and whatever that means. But but with you guys and what you've done over time, you, you guys have a tendency with your music to take me to that place and not just tell me about a place whatever it might be, or whatever the emotion is that you're singing about or talking about, your music takes me there. And mm-hmm. I think so many people cool. are telling me about a place, but you guys take me to that place. And I've always really uh, appreciated that in, in any music, but you guys have done that so well.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for you know, listening you, to it. I mean, I really appreciate you, that. Uh,
1: have you
0: found, Steve, that has your art audience kind of just stuck with you all along? I mean, when you – we're going to talk about your tour coming up uh, in just a few. I definitely want to cover that because I'm very excited to hear what's coming up for you guys. But, you know, will that audience be um, who have been with you um, a long time? Or are you getting new people, a lot of new people? Or how does that how does that work? Yeah.
2: Well, we have, yeah, we have such a faithful audience, and um, – there's this whole second generation of people that brought raised their kids listening to our music, and, and
1: there's oh, okay. a lot of,
2: uh, I guess, listeners that, that because a lot of the songs were about uh, our kids, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. were the age of our kids. So I have a lot of these kids, uh, young people in their 20s, that say, you know, I grew up with your music. I mean, I was identified <laughs> with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, their parents made them, I would say, that was good parenting, you know, but we do have a lot of parents sitting there with kids in their 20s but it has been a long time. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we have this very faithful audience, um, that's been devoted to us. And and it's, it's not like big crowds, you know, but we can play in any city pretty much in the country and have Mm -hmm. a room full of people that, that, and they, they all are singing every word. Mm -hmm. And that's gratifying. Um, a lot of the time, some of the time it's like we're, I remember just recently I was riding in a van with Derry. It was just two of us were doing acoustic shows and and we were in Iowa or someplace, I don't know where, but we were, it it's just a long drive and and he said, Man, it's taken us forever to get nowhere And I said, Yeah, that's our career, isn't it? You know? <laughs> you know, I think we probably had a bad gig the night before and you know, sometimes you just feel like failure, you know, all the time. It's so hard. Um but then you look at it, you play, and if you're in a living room and 30 people are in there and they're singing every word, it, the songs come alive and it's worth it all, yeah. you know. And so uh, I'm grateful. For the most part, I'm very grateful to, to get to do it. Uh, we do it because right. we have to. We don't know how to do anything else. We've been doing this so long. John, you know how that is. You know, it's like you rowed out onto a lake with a rowboat and you cannot see the shore, and you just have to keep rolling, mm-hmm. You know, other guys yeah. in their in their twenties or early thirties, they realize, oh, I can't make a living playing the bass. Yeah, no, no kidding, man. What an idiot! You know, what did you think you could take care of your family being a you know <laughs> playing in a band? I mean, how stupid is that? <laughs> uh, but we're way beyond that. You know, we're we're we can't. There's no reinventing for us. Uh, we can't do anything else at this point. We gotta keep on playing the next show. You know? <laughs> so that's why we're like, okay, it's the twenty fifth anniversary of Circle Slide, you know. Uh, let's go, let's play that album and let's let's it's another angle or something, you know, to keep on doing it.
0: That's great. That's great. You know, and I was thinking because of these people, uh, who follow you and because you ha you have a very loyal following. Um I, you know, I'm just I'm trying to figure out, you know, where where Christian music is at now and music in general. If you just if you guys just suddenly showed up on the scene right now with your full library of stuff, um, I I don't know where you'd be. You know, where you I don't think you'd have a place in Christian music. Do you? No. Oh no. Heck no, no. Well,
2: we never did. You know, because it's always like, well. Where's the salt in that, bro? Or, or what about Jesus? <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh-huh. No, we never did have a place in it. Really, and we had we had a place uh, in, in in like I said in the hearts of the individuals, but we yeah. were they couldn't we couldn't be sold, you know. We couldn't you you couldn't sell us.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah.
2: You couldn't then, and you can't now. I don't suppose. So,
0: so you've kind of carved out your own place there now. You're an your album, but you're still recording, and, and who's putting those, Who's put, I didn't even check, who's putting those albums out?
2: Well, right out now? is a pretty strong, out is a pretty strong verb, John. I, I don't yeah, know. it is. I don't know if they're <laughs> out, but <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's just our own. We're indie like most everybody else, you know, and we're, okay. we're working, getting on the social media and doing it our, our own. Okay, we, so we did you're it.
0: Not, you're not, you don't have a record company.
2: Oh, we haven't had a label for decades um you know we we just did a kickstarter just this last year and did an album called Shadow Weaver really proud of it we think it's our best record we ever made we really do yeah and uh, we've done i think 3 records in the last 5 years um so we're busy making records we still love to make music and that's great um i mean we did we did, we had a very successful kickstarter and and we were able to do take quite a bit of time and and uh didn't cut any corners, you know. We we made a r uh, we're very proud of the record.
0: So and, how uh, how long how, how many how how long have you been independent in that way? I think
2: our last label album was ninety seven, I wanna say, on maybe two thousand, I'm trying to remember if the one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I think that ninety seven was the last one that was on a label. We did six albums on, on on uh in a row in the first six years and four of them were on Word. We've done fifteen albums over our career. There was a lot of time in uh in the two thousands where we quit. I mean I got very busy producing and I've been bi- busy producing bands and things for a long time, but I, I produced this, this series called City on a Hill uh in the in the early two thousands. That kept me busy for about five years, just doing that, and that was, um, you know, a good time for me commercially. It was the only thing I've ever done that you would say was successful, uh, because it was worship. It was worship music, and it was at the at the front of that that trend, I guess, yeah. that you're talking about. That was what yeah. when it started well, guys, to
0: happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys did some really nice stuff. And it, I, who did you work with on that? I remember you teamed up with. Uh, was that Phil Kagey? Or well Phil,
2: Phil was one of the artists, but I, I was on yeah. um Essential, which was part of Provident. hmm Um, and so they had Jars of Clay and I had Sixpence on the record and um Cayman's call and uh, uh Nicole Nordman, and um yeah, Phil Keggy. You know, I always had brought somebody in that, you know, yeah. that I respected, you know, a lot of I, on and on, I did four albums with with uh,
0: all the artists that were
2: you know, pr- pretty major. So it was a great opportunity for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: it's the only thing I'd ever done that was like definitely big budget and full orchestra, and uh. it's just the only record. Uh, the first record uh, that had God of Wonders on it that I co wrote with my friend Mark Bird was mm-hmm. uh, extremely successful commercially, and I'd never experienced anything like that. Yeah. So that was a whole other world for me, where okay, money was almost no object, and you have a full orchestra. And yeah, that was an interesting season for me,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I was always the guy that produced the, the indie rock bands, the, the mm-hmm. grungey rock in the '90s. And so when that happened, I, I had a yeah. little identity crisis.
0: Yeah. Did you and, ever uh, feel any kind any? Did you ever feel conflicted in that, like? You have to completely. You have to do this yeah. other stuff. Is this really you? Maybe. Wow.
2: Absolutely. I was I was very conflicted, and I became, I guess, a commodity. I mean, I I'd written, I was successful, and and so, um, there was an expectation that I would deliver in in um, producing things that uh, I'm like, I don't really like. You know, I I, I liked more. Uh, I guess edgy stuff, or, or I was always always been a, a, a rebel, you know. And uh-huh. I didn't I didn't know how to handle being like it's in, in the mainstream, you know. <laughs> i like you got to be mixed up with somebody else, you know. And everybody's co-writing with me, wanting to write worship songs for the, to have that God of Wonders was so successful in, in churches and everything. And,
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
2: um I didn't. That was a very uh, that was an anomaly of a song for me. I didn't really? write normally. Like I told you, I normally wrote, like with the choir, about very introspective things, and mm-hmm. I hadn't tried to really write things that would be accessible to the church like that, because, see, worship music, you're writing because you want grandma to sing along, and you want the little the high school kid to sing along, mm-hmm. and you want everybody. You, the, the goal is not tension, whereas mm-hmm. with rock music, I think that tension. I always said tension reflects reality. If it doesn't bother somebody, it's not good art. (laughs) So it's a whole different mindset, and um, I couldn't stay there. I couldn't live there. I couldn't. I couldn't just keep doing that. It kind of shriveled my soul. Wow. And I couldn't write those just Christian songs in a in a in a room in a writer's room, day after day, to try to succeed. I I, it, it didn't feel authentic to me. And I've always been like the name of our record right now is Shadow Weaver, yeah, and I've always yeah. been what I call a shadow mm-hmm. Weaver, which is light and mm-hmm. dark, and sometimes i I feel clarity and sometimes I'm absolutely confused, yeah uh, sometimes I have hope and sometimes despairing um, light and dark, and i'm still I'm still that way, and uh kind of. I think most of us are really, if if we're honest uh, There's mystery yeah. and there's understanding and, and even within the Bible There's so much uh, God is without and God is within Yeah. Mysterious and the Old Testament And all this language about in the clouds about the clouds, the mysterious God And then Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you, you know, Without and within It's so complicated It's so, who is God? Mm-hmm. I love what... Um, Oswald Chambers said a quote that I've always remembered. I got that book, uh, My his Highest, in 1980. I was 20. And I remember the one thing he said, um, after the, the amazing delight and liberty of realizing what Jesus does comes the impenetrable darkness of discovering who he is.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> who is God you
0: know uh, yeah. he doesn't mm-hmm. and we
2: we it's important that we we uh come to an understanding of our own salvation every that's an individual thing it's a personal thing, yeah, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. um that what jesus does oh right?
0: boy, but who mean, is God yeah. who is god i yeah. know and you know right right now uh steve were we're just delving into probably one one of the hardest things. About being a Christian today is that uh you know we we are um Christians have have been reduced uh to just a few issues and a few things that we supposedly stand for, and the world thinks that they know who we are and um you know and and then there's a huge conglomerate that feeds that. Because there's there's an industry and there's money to be had in that, and then you're trying to, in the middle of that, still have a real faith which which is ambiguous, which, uh, you know, you're going to have questions and doubts and things unresolved, and and gosh, it, it just gets really frustrating, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I it does. I, I I wrote a catch this morning a little bit about this and. Um, uh, one of our readers wrote me back, he, he says this, I was I was on my way to lunch and was following an SUV with lettering across the back, Jesus is my friend, he died for me, unquote. My immediate uh-huh. reaction was, uh, would I put that on my car? And I thought not, which was immediately followed by, well, why? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Which was followed by No, not me, right? I was glad to have read your catch <laughs> i I have come oh. to realize that i'm I'm not ashamed of Jesus or the Gospel, but I'm ashamed of the Jesus and the Gospel as the world knows him, and is. Mm-hmm. you know wow uh, and isn't mm-hmm. that isn't that a, a a crux of what's so tough for all of us and you know, I, I run into Christians who just don't even want to go to church anymore, because it's just so, uh, so downright, you know, cut and dry and and black and white. And this is the way it is. And if you can't be like this, then you're not one of us. Right. Boy, I it's definitely you, uh, it,
2: tribal. It's very tribal. Yeah. And, and it's all brought yeah. uh, close by the the social media, and everybody's on Facebook and people have these long arguments and people seem to have their theology all worked out and, um, so we're looking at it and saying, wait a minute, I'm not part of this tribe.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. and
2: pointing their fingers at each other and, um, uh, the, the lead off track on our, our new album or the second song is called what you think I am. And it's, uh, huh. I'm a whole lot better and a whole lot worse than what you think I am. Mm. Love that song that. kind of <laughs> a, it addresses the whole thing of what people think. Other, you know, and we're we're on on Facebook and on social media trying to make present an image of who we are, and, and um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's dishonest, and we're all imposters. Remember the the Brennan Manning book, Abba a Father*, where we talked about
0: yeah, the,
2: the imposter.
0: You know, mm-hmm. and,
2: and it's just so hard to get to authentic. Who who are we? Who am I? What is my authentic self? And uh, it's not my profile and my you know my position. Uh, yeah, wow. it's, it's a it's a confusing time, and I think people are really uh, lights are on. The lights are coming on, and we're like, wait a minute, I'm, am I in this tribe? Uh, I see it because I you know I have. Um, most of my Facebook friends, like I have thousands, and they're mostly strangers, of course, um, yeah. that I've identified and have, have befriended me because they were were associated with Christian music. So most of my them are evangelical Christians. Well, let me tell you, it's pretty ugly out there sometimes, you know. It's yeah. not a nice – it's not a kind face. It's not a merciful face of, of Jesus so often, especially in political mm-hmm. season when there's an election oh, yeah. going on. It's, it's ugly out there, and I'm like, wow, this is uh, – Oh, it's not you know. Yeah. Not everybody. Well, I mean, the, no, it's not. I don't want to make an overgeneralization because the most wonderful people I know are people of faith, servants of the world. You know. But.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: A lot of a lot of meanness
0: out there though. Yeah, there is, and that's that's why here at the catch we like to call call it the gospel of welcome, because mm-hmm. uh, we we just want to welcome everybody, and uh, and I think that's the way. The church was meant to be it's a welcome place for sinners for for questioners for doubters for you know well jesus made
2: that pretty clear he that's he made that pretty clear
0: yeah yeah he did and uh we've so more more power to you guys because um you're you're playing right into that that ambiguity and that that area of reality but you know you it's so needed and, and there are so many Christians who really want something real. They want to be able to sink their teeth into something. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, um, they can find, you know, people like you and, uh, uh, and, and hear some, hear some truth in a, in a refreshing real way. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's a challenge. You know, it's, I I was thinking, uh, my very first album was called The Cold Cathedral, <laughs> uh-huh. and I, and, I, and that song, I have a picture of myself kind of screaming inside of a church. It, it can't anybody hear me. It was it was all uh, because church was irrelevant then, mm. and I'm I'm thinking, gosh, you know, if I if I were to write it again, I, I I'm I'm screaming again. But I'm screaming for an entirely different reason. You know, mm. it's it's like you're not you're still not speaking to me because you're not speaking into the reality of my life. You know, right. you're not speaking into my struggles and my questions and my doubts. You know, I I can't I can't do this. Right. Somehow we've got we've got to capture that for people. Don't you think? Yeah.
2: I think so. You know, I I don't know what other people need to do. I try not to be critical of other bands, you know, that do
0: mm-hmm.
2: have a what they call a ministry, a Christian ministry, whatever. Um, but I I, I I know what I feel right doing myself, and that's just being as honest as I can.
0: Tim mm-hmm.
2: and, and, and you know, my motivations are are impure and selfish and, and confusing. I, it's so hard to know why we do what we do
0: yeah
2: you know um learning to be honest you know that's like a lifelong uh journey <laughs>
0: yeah yeah it sure is well wow. i
2: i remember i i produced so many bands you know in the in the day and and um a lot of guys that thought it, it was a calling or the Lord told them to be a, a rock band or whatever and i was like no i if you're going to, if the Lord's calling you to do something is to serve somebody, you know, wash the disciples' feet. That's how he showed them how to live. You know, the last thing he did before he was going to die is, like, this is how you live. If you want to experience joy, serve other people. Not not be in a rock band and sign autographs. and you, you want chicks to dig you. That's why you do it, just like everybody's in a rock band, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And somehow you think it's different that the Lord is. I don't know. You know. We, we, yeah. And I did yeah. the same kind of the same thing, but we realize our our, our motivations are we're, we're human beings. You know, we're, we're artists because we're insecure. We need affirmation. Um, you know, when we drive down the street after the gig, we all how much merch did we sell tonight? Can you, you know can you count? It? They all count the money. You know, we're
0: just human beings. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So true, so true. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up here. But tell us about this twenty uh, fifth anniversary uh, tour coming up. The Circle Slide, yeah, landmark album. You know, th- th- I have I've never heard anybody do the only other time I've heard this done was Brian Wilson he did his Pet, pet Sound tour. He did did oh no, really? Whole start to finish. Yeah, he did the whole thing, start to finish.
2: Yeah. So is that but what you're going to do? You're going to yeah, it's yeah. a short album. It's only 38 minutes. You know, albums used to be shorter. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll do the whole album. And uh, it cool. was kind of the favorite of our audience. It was our our, our heyday. It was our uh, uh-huh. sixth album. And then right in 19... Uh, when was it? 1990. Yeah, 25 years. 1990, yeah. which was interesting because it was right before... No one knew Nirvana was right around the corner. And grunge was going to happen. You know, it was the end of the 80s. Yeah. And it was a very interesting musical time, you know, you had uh The Cure to Disintegration and and uh we liked this band called The Church that did Starfish. There was these moody, reflective kind of albums happening at the end of the 80s after the crazy, you know, 80s mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: yeah. right around the corner, you know what I mean, it changed and it and it was this whole Seattle movement and I But anyway, that Circle Slide kind of was was uh we really knew it kind of had our thing, our sound down at that point and I think we made a really beautiful Moody album and people amazingly still remembering it and uh, cool. seem to be excited about it, at least our audience is. And like I said, we just did a new album and people want old bands to play the old songs. So, you know, uh, we'll play that album and then, you know, hopefully we'll, we can come back out and do like three or four off the new album. You Good. know, whatever it takes to get them to listen to our new songs, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Well, where if uh, if any of our listeners uh, would want to um, see if you're coming near them, where would they find out about this?
2: The choir dot net.
0: The that the choir t h e choir.
2: Yep. The choir dot net
0: dot net. Got that, folks. That's Thechoir.net. choir dot net. We're and on the web,
2: we're on Facebook and all that. Easy to figure out. Easy to find us.
0: Okay. All right. Good. And uh, yep. check it out. See if there are um, uh, you know, how 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 many uh, concerts are you doing? Do you know yet, or
2: are you just? We're we're probably gonna do about five weeks, I think, five or six weeks, depending. At least to start out, we'll, you know, we'll do like three weeks and then take a week off and then go out and do another couple of weeks and we'll see what happens after that. We'll, you know.
0: Great. Well, I wish yeah. you well. I hope it's well received, and uh, you're gonna yeah. do any. You're gonna be out here at all? California. California? I think we are. I I I think we are. It's hard to get out west, you know. I mean it's
2: yeah. hard to hard to tour out west because it's like it's so linear. You know, you know how it is. Everyone that's why people move back yeah. east because it's you can do a circle. You can't do a circle when you're west. You go up to Seattle and then where do you go? <laughs> back down. <laughs> you know, you go to Utah <laughs> Anyway, you know. Um I think we'll make it out there. I think we will. Cool. Uh, oh, maybe wow. in June. I we love out. to play yeah. live. I tell you, I, I tell you, I love to play live. I love the variety that we get, and yeah. I get to get behind a drum set and hit the drums hard. I'm really happy about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you just keep hitting those drums and keep writing the great songs and keep being on it. I know that's what you have to do. So yeah. uh, I'm gonna have to it's tell you I that.
2: It's what I get to
1: do. Uh,
0: yeah.
2: Thank you, John. Do, thank so. you for for thank you for talking to me and you too, Gunner.
1: You bet. You thank just, you Is Gunner still there? Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm still here. here Steve thanks so much yeah. uh, For being a part of this And uh, and I hope uh, That you guys get a chance To play some of that music Off that new record Because I got to tell you That's a really good record I really enjoy it
2: Oh uh, thank you Thank you so much for listening I really appreciate it I
1: really do Well What You Think I Am Is a great song As you mentioned uh, One of many on that record And so Thanks for As John said Thanks for being honest And keep banging those drums all right, I'm going to. Thanks, Steve. i Nashville. We're going to spend some time. I'm going to get there. I got to get there, and we can hang out. All right. <laughs> Let me just.
2: You got you got my my number. Let's get together. All right. <laughs>
1: All right. Thanks, you.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Guys. Thank All you. right. God bless you. Bye bye. Bye. Well, Gunner, that was fun.
1: Absolutely. Well, wow, there's was so many. Much- really good. So much, uh, so much uh, wisdom, and, and Steve, and just uh, as a musician, you know, for me being brought up in music alone, just talking about that part of who Steve is, uh, mm-hmm. he's he's been a huge inspiration to me. As far as when he does play live, the passion he just he just gets lost in that music, and he just takes you to that place. And I've just really appreciated the depth of his composition. Yeah. it's so good, so good, great.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, and it's just amazing that they've been able to do this so long. And okay. uh, I think that's a testimony to the fact that that they are they are touching people at a deep spot, and and they keep coming back. You know, yeah. and like he says, they they brought their children. They re- brought their children upon. Yeah,
1: and well, uh, so and- you know and i think johnny yeah. think about that too i mean here's an indie really for the most part indie act it's been since the 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 you know mid 90s late 90s when they were on a record yeah. label. but they've stood they they they've hung in there there's so many people that were kind of just you know in and out one album in and out you know right. and, and who knows you know what, what what they're doing now it's tough to just stay you know, relevant and um whether or not sales or commercial success or not, their music has remained relevant and they just keep writing great music that gets you thinking, that, that evokes that, yep. that emotion. Their music has that sound that, that kind of creates a, an emotion when you listen to it. Yeah. It does. That's fantastic. Well
0: everybody take uh, take good advantage of the choir dot net or face always check them out on Facebook if you if you have not heard you need the
1: choir music got a real treat uh coming
0: absolutely so, uh Gunner, i think it's time to uh, land the plane
1: yeah what i think we're think? We'll, we'll take this one out tonight uh with uh the song that he mentioned off the new album shadow weaver which i i highly recommend it's such a great great record uh what you think i am um so i think we land the plane with that john excited okay. about uh where we're going uh here with the catch tomorrow morning and yep. uh as i'm as I'm hitting the song on here, you know I gotta make sure my volume is up, John is that, <laughs> that, that, that's the big deal, there.
0: yeah, all right there it is.
1: We'll see you on the other side, John,
0: okay, beautiful, Thank you, everybody.